Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Open your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 4. We're going to read from verses 4 um, to verses 7. The Bible says, Abide in me and I... In you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, so no more can ye, the Bible says, except ye abide in me. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And without me, the Bible says, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, he says, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12, Peter introduces us to a very powerful reality of the gospel, and he called it the present truth. Present truth is a reality of every new creation in Christ. If present truth is not a revelation, you cannot live in the fullness of the life that has been promised by Christ and in Christ. Sometimes we have challenges when we are dealing with Christians or believers who claim to say, you know, I'm born again, I'm a believer, I love God, I've served him for these many years. But when you look at them very intricately, many of them don't have the results of the Christianity they profess. It is because sometimes we deal with a present truth God, but with an old covenant mentality. And present truth has pillars, right? And I'll share about those pillars hopefully next Sunday such that you understand what present truth is. When Peter is speaking to them, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Peter is speaking to men who are established in the present truth. We are speaking to men who ought to be established in the present truth. It is a reality that you must understand. It is something that must get into your spirit. It is something that your mind must clearly understand because if you don't understand present truth, you're going to toss to and fro by all waves of doctrine. That is why the Bible says that there are people who are led by all sorts and tossed to and fro, right? They are babes in the things of the spirit. They are unskilled in the word of righteousness. They don't understand the gospel. So anybody or anything can swear them. So the Bible says, give me the amplified of that. In Ephesians 4.14, he says, So then, 
The fivefold is given to us for the perfecting of the saints, for the edification of the body, and because they are in the work of ministry to the end that we are filled, we are established, and the Bible says that we are no longer children. Are you hearing me? Who are tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. The prey, the Bible says, many of these people are prey of a cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaging in every shifting form of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. There are people in the church of Jesus Christ who invent errors to mislead. They have a cunning craftiness. They're unscrupulous in their dealings and they have a cleverness and trick in which they form what becomes sound doctrine because you are dealing with a generation that thinks vocabulary is depth. So when you have very nice English words and can compel and con- construct them in a very beautiful way, people say, eh, Banange, this guy is deep. Why? Because they, they confuse vocabulary with what? With depth. They confuse uh, the semantics of language with the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. Some people think that because somebody is a good speaker, therefore that person is deep. We still live in that generation of people who think that way. And that is why some people think the better your English, the deeper you are. You understand what I'm saying? The better you are you are articulating and speaking. Let me tell you, if you met Paul, the real Paul, you'd be so bored when he was speaking. In fact, the Apostle Paul in his own writing says, my speech was not with persuasive words. He was not a man good with persuasion. He was not a mighty orator like Apostle Emma. You understand? He was not so good in convincing. That man can sell milk to a cow, you know? So he was not, and convinced it. This is not the one which is, this one is, hey, drink, you know? So anyway, he says, that's why Paul was stronger in letters but in speech, he was weak. The Bible says, I was with contemptible speech. So Paul was not the guy you would want to listen to for five hours unless you have understood the comparison of the spiritual with the spiritual. You know, if I get time to explain this, you will see why the Bible says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the hearts of men, uh, the things that the Lord has prepared for them that love him, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. But when he says he has revealed it unto us by his spirit, you realize that the communication, the articulation of the things revealed by the spirit is not only in the realm of speech, and words, because those 26 letters sometimes fail in the form when you're seeking to define Christ a certain way. That's why he says of these things, I have in a figure transferred unto Apollos. The grace of teaching also desires that the learner, the student, carry a very precise life of discernment. If you're not a designer, of the spirit, it is very hard for you to compare the spiritual with the spiritual. And when you cannot discern the spiritual, it means that even when a man comes with a false teaching, you cannot tell. There are very few people in this world who can tell the difference between sound teaching, right, and good teaching. Many people hear good teaching and they call it sound teaching. Are you hearing me? 
But good teaching and sound teaching are two different things. You can be a good teacher, but you're not teaching sound doctrine. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? You can be a very mighty orator. And today, actually, (laughs) today what we have is counselors. And we call them teachers. You understand? eh? They just counsel you how you should not lie, how you should not do bad things, the things you should do and the things you shouldn't do. Stuff even a Muslim can teach in a mosque. And we call that Christianity. Right? And others, we just have people who gossip. We just have gossipers on the pulpits today. And people who simply just are good storytellers. You know, there are also people who just love people who just tell them stories and they be there and they say, Naiva Nage, this guy is a good teacher. You understand? Then you ask them, but why do you mean he's a good teacher? Because it gives you very nice stories. Yeah, yeah, stories are wonderful. But you look at the results of the message. Praise God. If the message does not have results, then what are you learning? Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? The gospel must have a certain sort of what? Results. Somebody shout, amen. Amen. So, there are people who are tossed by every wave of doctrine. And then somebody leaves a church, and then they say, you know, I joined this church. And then they tell you the church, and you're like, oh, God. You understand? Do you get it? If you leave this ministry for an anointing higher, God bless you. You understand? Praise God. But if you leave this ministry for an anointing lower, then you're in trouble. You understand? Lower because either it's really lower or lower because you think it's high but it's really low. (laughs) Because you don't know how to weigh the anointing in the spirit. You understand the anointing that comes with the wisdom of God. But what I'm trying to tell you here is that somebody can leave a church of sound doctrine and go to a church of deception and not even understand that. And the life of such people gets from bad to worse, from good to bad. And then many of them realize that like 30 years later and some never realize it. You know, I've come to the realization also that some people will never change. They'll never change. They'll never change. That's why Paul says, and some we handed over to Satan for the torments of their bodies that their souls might be saved that day. Not in the class of people who don't change necessarily, but there were certain people who Paul saw, those ones, their hearts were bent to destruction. That unless God takes them early, they'll walk out of salvation. Unless God puts something on them to save their souls and kill the body, if they don't die early, they're not going to go to heaven. Do you know there are people, if they don't die early, they're not going to go to heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. But that's another thing. Don't go judging in your... You know, some of you now can say, aha, now I got a scripture, Mukama. Then you start sending fire for somebody to die. No, 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 no. That's not what God has called you to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. But present truth has pillars. Okay? And I'm going to teach about that next Sunday. Um... If you have not understood present truth, there are realities that will get lost in translation. And because of that, there are things you might never see and experience in the life of this gospel, this 
glorious. The Bible calls it glorious gospel. Peter says he has called us to glory and virtue. Somebody shout amen. He has not called us to struggling. No. The Bible says according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. You were called for glory and virtue. Say I was called for glory and virtue. Somebody shout amen. So when we're defining present truth, we're talking about experiences, we're talking about a life, we're talking about a certain understanding of where we are after the resurrection of Christ. Not at the death, not at the life he was when he was on the earth, but the life after the cross. Are you hearing me? For example, I'll give you one principle. Look at blessing, right? In the Old Testament, when Deuteronomy is talking about the blessing of God, it explains the things you must do to be blessed. Are you hearing me? For example, you do this, you do that. It has a list of things you have to do to be blessed and the things you can do to be cursed. So the blessing is in, in the obedience of some, many of these things and then consequently God guarantees that you're this, you're that and I'll bless you this way, I'll bless you that way if you obey this list of commandments. When it comes to the New Testament faith, the Bible says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Here he's saying you're not going to be blessed. You have been blessed. Right? So the the commandments, the leaving of the things of the law, you don't leave them to be blessed. You leave them because they are your nature to leave. Right? I'm not tithing to be rich. I'm not tithing to become rich. I'm tithing because I'm rich. I give my first fruits because I'm rich. Hallelujah. I respond firstly to the blessing and the principle, and then consequently translate that into the understanding and reality of the same manifestation. Present truth begins from the blessing to act. The old truth begins from the act into the blessing. And you know there are many people who don't know the difference. Do you know there are many people who don't know the difference between walking in the blessing that you already have and consequently doing the principles because you're blessed versus doing everything such that you will be blessed? Do you know there are many people who cannot define that dichotomy? They can't see a very clear difference between these two things. And if you're not established in present truth, your life of Christianity is going to be a loss. You will not enjoy the life of Christianity. You will not enjoy the life of Christianity. In Colossians chapter 2, he speaks of men which beguile people. Give me the amplified of that. He says... Let no man defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he claims he has seen, vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit. And the Bible says, and not holding fast to the head from which the entire body supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. The KJV says increases with the increase of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. There is a way 
to increase by the increase of God. And there's a way to increase by the increase of men. Somebody shout amen. Men have predictable clauses and lives of increase in what they define as increase, whether you're talking about financially, whether you're talking about family, whether you're talking about career, whether you're talking about relationships, whether you're talking about business, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, whatever. Human nature has an idea about increase. It has a form of glory in the increase. It understands increase a certain way. The Christian has not been called to that kind of increase. Shout amen. The Christian has called, has been called to have an increase which is from God. That means the increase on your life is not supposed to be easily explainable or that if it is explained, it is not supposed to be easily believed. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is what I speak upon your life in the name of Jesus Christ. May an increase happen on your life that will get you talking by men to seek for you to explain, yet even with the best words to explain it, you will not be able to explain it, aggressively receive it. Somebody shout amen. You you don't, you know, there's increases that people can say, ah, Bambi, this one increased. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but may people, and please understand me, it might sound bad, but may people call you names like cult, illuminati, and what? Are you hearing me? (laughs) Because that is the only way they can explain your success. Until they can understand your God, they're not going to be able to explain what is upon your life. Shout hallelujah. And it is possible. Glory to God. It is possible. Look at Fanero. How many people have called us things? Oh, that one. He goes underwater. Oh, that one. He went here. Oh, that one. He's connected to this. One man said, the money they have, uh, uh, that one is not in our economy. They do some things to get money. I said, God. You know, when, I, when they started speaking about those things, I went on my knees and said, God, may it also be spoken about our people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You see, for us, persecution is a badge of honor. Are you hearing me? For men to know, are you hearing me? For men to say and say, mm, these results are not normal. Do you know, one man said, if he was of God, he would not increase at that speed. Who told him that because you're not of God, I mean, because you're of God, you're supposed to move a certain way? False teaching. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, for me, the results are coming. We're doing something that has not been seen in the history of Uganda. Are you hearing me? I have not seen a ministry this big in four or five years. It has never happened in the history of Uganda. Walk around Africa and look for it. Go in Asia and look for it. Go in the United States and look for it. And people our age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Now, that is the same thing I press shifts into your business. Are you hearing me? That is the same thing I press shifts into your career. That is the same thing I press shifts into your family. That is the same thing I press shifts into your personal ministry. 
But that is exactly the shift I'm talking about. That may God translate what is happening to Fanero and get into your business, you will see. Oh, Africa will talk about you. The world will talk about you. Are you hearing me? Television stations will air you. Radios will air you. Men will talk about you, yet you're not on social media. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To the glory of God. Somebody say the increase that is from God is my portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. But the ministry won't grow and you're not growing either. No. Equal measure to the glory of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. And how has it been? Because he has increased you. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you see, what is coming cannot even be compared to what we are talking about. That's why my heart to, pro, to God for you is that that increase will come quicker. May it not find you at 90 or 70. No, no, no. May you do things now. Now. Praise God. This week. This month. In the mighty name of Jesus. Before the end of the year. May you say something and may it come to pass and may you tell people that this I spoke and believed and many people will ask themselves how did that even happen and you'll tell them it's not by power nor by might but it is by the spirit of the sovereign Lord somebody shout hallelujah glory to God now the Bible says here in Colossians that we have people who do not behold the head you understand? They do not behold the head. They don't understand how Christ, the body, works. Why? Because the Bible says they, they have a wrong stand on visions. They take stands on visions they claim they have seen. And then they are vainly puffed up in their thoughts, which are unspiritual, but yet they appear to be spiritual. And like I said, you live in a generation of people who cannot tell the difference. You live in a generation of people who can be tossed to and fro by every wave. They don't know the difference between truth and what is not true. For them, everything spoken by a man who is called a pastor is true. That is why many of you are the total sum of the things you've had in your past previous ministries. That's why you're where you are. God is just helping some of you to come to the reality of these things. You were dead. Do I have a witness? In your past, you were dead. Put up, don't worry. Some people need to understand what I'm saying. Everything you were told was wrong. And you suffered and strived with life until the reality of the gospel hit you home. Hallelujah. Now you know who you are. Hallelujah. Now you know the truth. And every other day you can see that freedom and liberty is coming. You know, I met a young man and he said, you know, Apostle, I don't yet have physically money or this or that, but inside there, I feel it's just a matter of time. Are you hearing me? Why? Because my heart was freed to the reality of what it means to be born of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, because of that, we have many forms of doctrines going out in the world. Right? 
That's why Paul says in Galatians, who bewitched you? Because some doctrines are like witchcraft. You get it? But they've gone out in the world. People are teaching things. And you know, some people, I've seen people, because of one little diversion from the reality of truth, I've seen people costed 10, 20 years because of one simple thing. It's so funny just how one error like this in scripture can cost you 20 years or 30 years of life. That is why I have not known a man who knows the word a certain way and they are struggling. That is you. You'll not find them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because these words are life to them that find them and they are life. They are life. But you see, when the Bible says they are found, they are found. You don't just assume that they are there for you. No, your spirit has to be walking and moving to the finding of these things. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, what I'm trying to give you tonight is sort and in full a present truth reality. Let me begin this way. In biblical interpretation, there are principles, right? There are principles of biblical interpretation. There are probably about seven of them. And I can teach them also. But those are more interesting to people who study the Bible, not just people who are the infanero, yeah, the man preached, you know. That one is for people who really study the Bible, people who are students of the word. I've mentioned one like the law first mentioned, okay? The divine law of repetition, right? Right? Not just when he says, for example, verily, verily, no, but we are speaking of the divine encounters of the Spirit that call men by name doubly. Samuel, Samuel, Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham. There's a reality there. When you understand in biblical interpretation, when a man's name is called twice, when God is speaking to them, there is a way, there is something he's trying to establish in the realm of assignment. It's, it's a special thing when you understand it one day. Um, it, 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 even the people in whom the Lord has called doubly, you'll, you'll be amazed at, at the reality of experience and why God sometimes calls things double, why God spake once and twice I heard. It's an interesting line. And another principle, for example, in the interpretation of scripture, sometimes God would get three elements of things to compare. Like when he says, now these three abide, right? Faith, hope, love. But he says the greatest of these is love. Do you realize that when he was drawing a correlation of three things, the third was actually the most important? They were not aligned in the order of importance. So in many times, in many places in scripture, every time you find three major things, you will find that sometimes there is emphasis, not all, but in some instances, or many instances, you'll find emphasis on the third, and that's why the third is maintained as third, because in biblical interpretation, actually, the third is most emphasized. But when God is drawing the reality of two elements, the idea changes. Usually, he borrows the line of the first being most important and should come in order before the second comes through. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? When you don't read the Bible in the order it should be read, you will get lost in Revelation. 
you must understand the word in the order the word is arrayed. Okay? Now, in that understanding, let's go back to John 15, verse 4, this time in the Amplified. He says, let's read, one, two, three, let's go. Uh-huh. Did you see the order? These are two things of dwellings. These are two definitions of dwellings. But when he's defining these two definitions of dwellings, he says, dwell in me, comma, and I will dwell in you. Which comes first? Is it his indwelling or your indwelling? Yes. And then he says, leave in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. And then he says, I am, listen, the vine and you are the branches. And he says, whoever lives, again, this comes first, in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. He didn't say whoever I live in and then they live in me bears much fruit. Listen to the order. The order is whoever lives in me and I in them bears much fruit. Fruit is born by men who firstly live in him and then he abides in them. If you frustrate that order to think that you will emphasize him living in you before you abide in him, the fruit will not come because you have frustrated the order of importance and you are disqualifying divine relevance and the deliberation of the spirit in the same. He says, whoever lives in me and I in him bears much and abundant fruit. He did not say, whoever I live in and they live in me bears much fruit. Somebody can say, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same thing because consequently at the end of the day, you are in him, he's in you. No, he's saying, yes, it's true, but please respect my order. My order is you live in me and I live in you. Are you hearing me? And whoever apart from me can cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing without that in me reality. Without that in me reality, you can do nothing. And the next verse says, if a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch, even though he claims huh, that I am in him. And that person withers and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. And verse seven again, he says, if you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. He says, ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done for you. He's giving you the mystery of access. He's trying to explain to you, look, live what the world has told you and how the world has deceived you. This is the way things work. Understand the order. Understand that it's not about, you know, he, he's in me, I'm in him. No. He's saying, yes, it's true. He's in you, you are in him. But he's trying to tell you and I that there is an order of the spirit to establish the reality. Please understand the order which comes first. You dwelling in him and then he will dwell in you. That is why if you go back to the first lines of the Amplified, he says, dwell in me, comma, 
and I will dwell in you. So his dwelling in you is as a result of your dwelling in him. If you don't dwell in him, he cannot dwell in you. But you see, that again slaps the science and understanding of salvation. Every time we talk about salvation, you know, come and receive Jesus Christ. He wants to live in you. He wants to give you a life. And then somebody comes because they want to receive Jesus in their lives. And it's true, they do receive Jesus in their lives. And then many of them, they live a life of Christ in them, which is the hope of glory. But the hope of glory within then sometimes does not give us the manifestation of the glory that is without. It's so much like the fish in the water and the water is in the fish. Are you hearing me? But which should come first? When God created fish, did he put water in it? Then put it in water? No, he created the oceans and the seas and when he created the ocean and the seas and they're in created life. So the water precedes the fish. Are you hearing me? The fish is formed in the water. That's what Job was asking. Am I a sea or am I a well? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, God creates the water, and when the water is formed, the fish is put in there. You understand what I'm saying? And then the fish lives in the water. The true experience really is exactly like of the Christian, that you dwell in him, he dwells in you. That water supplies oxygen, but as one from without it entering it. Not just as one dwelling within it. If you get fish and pour water into its mouth and then hold it like this and then you say, my fish has water in it. Are you hearing me? Then you continue going. What happens? You understand? Imagine you got a fish, right? And then you pour what? Water in the fish and then you fill it with water. And then you carry it like this when you've held its mouth and says, breathe. Breathe. Will a fish have anything? Why? Because the gills of a fish respond to the oxygen in the water. It's only relevant for it in the inside if it carries the life without. You understand what I'm saying? Divine order. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Do you have the New Living Translation version? I think it has a similar understanding. Uh huh. He says, remain in me huh? and I will remain in you he doesn't say I will if I remain in you then you will remain in me no he says you remain in me and I will remain in you if you carry the consciousness of your dwelling within me the amplified says dwell in me and I will remain in you that the second dwelling is the condition fulfillment of the first experience dwell in him and he will dwell in you the amplified says dwell in me and 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 he didn't say dwell in me as I dwell in you he says dwell in me comma and I will dwell in you in other words carry the consciousness of you in me right and then walk in the reality of me in you you will never understand the reality of me in you until you understand the experience 
of you in me. Who is understanding what I'm saying? It's beautiful to speak of who Christ is in you. But before you even claim the Christ in you, firstly understand the you in Christ. Corinthians says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And he says, and behold, the old is past and now the new. And he says, and all things are of God. Why? Because the man is in him. Praise God. Now he starts to give the reality to tell you, look, like I said, there is men which lie in wait to deceive with the craftiness and cunningness, the unscrupulous fellows, men which are ordained to the subverting of many souls. When they're teaching this, they give an impression. You see, until you understand the soundness of doctrine, you'll disqualify many things. There are many things that I've seen men who are unskilled in the doctrine of Christ have disqualified because they did not have the full understanding of these things, or the people who were teaching and trying to establish them were not really established in the full understanding of these things. And so they gave off a very bad aura, a very bad um, impression of the very things that were being preached. And because of that, some people got to a point and then simply uh, uh, denounced everything that has to do with these things and these realities. You understand? And at the end of the day, there are things that look like they are righteously put because they have been misrepresented by those who have arrayed them before men. And then there are also men who are unstable enough to know, no, this child is not dirty. She was just thrown in the dirt and so we can wash them, they will be clean. And then they consequently throw out the baby with a bathtub, with, even with a kadak in the bathtub and the water. You understand? I'll give you an example. If you've been in Uganda for a long while, you'll hear there's people who say, ah, you know, for us, those gospels of chitwari, 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 that gospel of just chitwari, chitwari, people just chitwala, twala. Let me tell you, the people who first taught that, there were some men who taught that thing without the revelation of what it means to receive. You understand? And they grossly misrepresented the power of receiving. But the Bible says, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The Bible didn't say much more they which are given. There's a difference between being given and receiving. There is a power in receiving. There's a power in aggressively lambanoing something. So receiving is not wrong. It's just that there are certain people who receive with indifference, with, with, uh, who are not accountable to what they receive, who don't even understand what they receive. They don't have the responsibility of what they receive. Those are the kinds of people you should be talking about. But don't disqualify the whole notion of receiving in the body of Christ because there are certain things you will not have except you learn to receive them because they are already given, but they are not received by you. Are you hearing me? And so what do they say? They say, people, twala, twala, receiving is wrong. And then you know what? What are they doing? They're getting men from the place of receiving to a place of earning. And many people are trying to earn what they have already been given by Christ because they don't know how to receive because a man came against the doctrine of receiving and they think that every receiving is wrong. Satan is crafty. 
He's no longer telling people the direct things because people are smart enough now to tell a direct lie from the truth. What it does is there's a cunning craftiness. That's why the Bible calls them unscrupulous and, and cleverness. There's a cleverness now in which scripture has been twisted to mislead, misguide, and delude innocent souls from believing the truth. And men are detached from the reality of these truths because they do not understand the difference between light and darkness. They're inexperienced and unskilled in the word of the spirit. The wisdom of God is not a light in them enough to guide and direct to tell them, look, this is true, you just misunderstood it. Everything that is disqualified by men who don't understand it, those who are seated under them simply take it as a gospel truth and they throw out everything. Let me tell you, there are certain things, it doesn't matter how you throw them out. They are way older than you to throw them out. And they have worked for many more people than those who will throw them out. You understand what I'm saying? So it's also such as this, the idea and, 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 and mind that I'm trying to give you today. It's not wrong for us to tell people that when you receive Christ, he comes and abides and makes a home in you. Are you hearing me? But that is secondary. Actually, the work of salvation is a man getting into the kingdom entering the realm, entering into the life of Christ, and then Christ abides in you. He can only abide as you have gone in him. Are you hearing me? When we frustrate the order, we will think that the order is not important, but if men who have not understood the order do not have fruit, they don't have results of that reality. So what God is trying to tell you and I is the living in him is a consciousness. His abiding in you is the deliberate life of reading the word, receiving the word. When the Bible says, may Christ through faith abide in you. May Christ abide in you by faith. May Christ through faith abide in you. May Christ dwell in you by faith. When the Bible says that may Christ abide in you by faith, it means he can only abide in you by faith. And how does faith come? By hearing and what? Yes. And by hearing the word of God. So as the word of God comes in you, the Bible says, then he is abiding in you. The only way Christ abides in you is by faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So when a man allows the word of God to enter their lives, when they meditate it, when they read it, when they attend service, go back and rewatch and reread and establish and write notes, that man is allowing Christ to abide in him as a man. But for the man to abide in Christ, that man only needs to carry a consciousness. He needs to awaken his consciousness to that reality. The reality of abiding in him is a consciousness. The reality of him abiding in you is the deliberate effort to attend to the word of God. That is why he says in verse 7, He says, if you abide in me, which is a consciousness, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Christ abides in you by his word. Ye abide in him by consciousness. By your consciousness or your conscience. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? Now, this one is easy because every time they are preaching the gospel, the reality is formed in our spirits. Every time they preach the gospel, the reality is formed in our spirits. Every time they preach the gospel, we are getting to know the in 
dwelling power and life of Christ every day. Every time you listen to the word, you listen to the sermons, you read the word, you allow the word to abide in you, you are establishing the in you dwelling, Christ dwelling in you. But every time you activate the consciousness of in him, you are establishing the order that should come first. I'm not saying that the secondary is useless or of less function and importance. No, both of these are of the same function and importance, but one must come before the other. The consciousness in him must precede his dwelling in you. I know that's not common because sometimes people invest so much consciousness on dwelling in him without firstly establishing the reality of consciousness of they dwelling in him. Let me show you the power of this. If you are in Christ, picture yourself in any imagination of you in Christ. Are you hearing me? Can I get a bottle of water? Now, you are in Christ, right? You dwell in Christ. Let's just say, if you dwell in Christ, are you the bottle or the water? So Christ is there, and you are in. Here is the what? Hey, in this realm, he is the what? If you dwell in him, you are the. He is the. If he dwells in you, he is the one. And you are the. Now, here he said, dwell in me. In other words, firstly, be the water in the bottle. Then I will be the water in the bottle. Rewind. Let me repeat. Firstly, be the water in the bottle. You be the water in the bottle. Then I will be the water in the bottle. If you don't be the water in the bottle, I cannot be the water in the bottle. You have to be the water in the bottle. Do we understand that? So, firstly, this is... Now, are you still with me? So, if we are here, who is the bottle? Who is the bottle? Christ. And who is the water? Okay, now, this is the bottle. You are what? You are Christ, right? Then you fall off a building. Who has fallen... And the doctor says, you have cancer. (laughs) Oh God, hallelujah. Who has cancer? So if, if you put cancer here. Put cancer. Put virus. Now he says, nothing without... a man 
defile him, but only that which is coming out of him. Because he can just come, but he says nothing without entering a man can defile him. Are you hearing me? You're in, a, you're in an aeroplane, you're seated in a flight, and then they say, buckle your seatbelts, we're going to have a crash landing. Who is going to crash? Eh? We found HIV in your... Wait. The water is not the body. This is the body. What would you tell the doctor? Uh-uh. If the doctor says you have HIV, what would you answer the doctor? Uh, uh, what would you answer him? Thank you, how? Not I can't, I refuse, no. How? Did HIV bypass this? And then... <laughs> It's not a I and no I refuse. It can't be. Because can't be means you even assume it can. No. That's not in the realm of can. That's in the realm of how. Consciousness. Now, if they say, come and pray for a sick person. <laughs> We have a sick person. Come and lay hands on them. How do you lay hands on them? Who is laying hands on them? Do you understand? Are you hearing me? When you go for an interview and then you sit in front of the interviewers, who is having the interview? Who is having the interview? Christ. Now, how can you fail an interview? I have never failed one interview in my life. Never. 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 Never ever failed an interview. I'll tell you a story. When I was in KCB, first year, I worked. In the first year, they announced for supervisors. I put in my application, sat the interview, passed the interview, became supervisor. Two years down the road, I saw a job opening in the corporate, right? Then before, as a retail banker. Now, of course, in the banking division, if you've been a banker, there's a difference between retail division and corporate division. I'd mastered retail understood retail. There was nothing I was looking for. I felt like in the supervision retail I'd understood it. Right? So they put a corporate bank advertisement. Well I write. I go for the interview. Of course then I'd had the reality. The reality had formed in my head. I, I that morning I said I can how can Jesus fail an interview? Da 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 I spoke I went there and did the interview. And after about a week or so, they announced to us that there was a favorite candidate who was not who? Lubega Grace. 
Oh, no, no. Did you understand what I just said? <laughs> then internally somebody explained to me why the person was favored and she came before you. She's been here serving. They told me. You know, when you're working, eh, you can go for interviews eh, and there are reasons why somebody's already better. <laughs> Have you ever been to an interview and then you sit there with like 10 people and then a person walks in and is greeting everyone. Hello, how are you? You good, good to see you. What are you doing here? Wow, you're welcome. I hear me. And then the interviewer comes in and then says, hi, hi guys. And then she says, oh. <laughs> they even hug each other. Agree, what up? What are you doing yourself? You good? Hey, okay, you're welcome. I'll see you later. Who understands what I'm trying to say? Now, this person looked like they were favorite. I can't say they were favored, but I can't say they looked favorite. Don't ask me what favorite means. I can't say the bank favored them, but I can say they looked what? Favorite. So I get to the bank. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, oh, those days, one guy in the bank asks me, hey, now, hey, Chris, I remember you did an interview. What happened to that interview? Now, that week, they had already told us the person. Who took the what? The position. I told the guy, um, I got it, but they told me that I should wait a bit. <laughs> the gospel is foolishness. you don't learn to run mad a bit you will step one <laughs> so I told the person no you see they told me I got it but um, that I should wait a bit I could not say Christ failed the interview consciousness praise God and then when I went back home, do you know how I prayed? I said, Father, I thank you. Because this corporate job was just delayed. But I feel it in my spirit that you delayed it for a purpose. But I thank you because it's mine. I thank you because the letter has my name. Mama, communication of your faith becoming effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. True to form, about two months later, Somebody quit in the corporate department and the same opportunity came. And they wrote to me and told me, now Grace, this opportunity is again here two months after. It is yours. That, was me. that meant it was a confirmation that me, I was just waiting a bit. myself, I already got the job. I even congratulated myself, bought myself a nice meal, convinced myself that I had gotten that job. Consciousness. How can Christ fail? I've never failed an interview. I can't fail this one. Because it would mean Jesus what? Failed. They wrote me the letter from today of being confirmed as a corporate banker. I looked at it. I wasn't excited. Because my excitement was when I sat for the interview. 
This was not new. So I looked at the letter. When I saw that the principle worked, I said, now God, what if we believe for something higher? God said, whatsoever you will. I say, say, Father, I thank you. <laughs> because even though this letter has come, another one is going to come. Like one or two days after, somebody calls me. It was one of those days I was on, on my, doing my own business again as supervisor in Diamond Trust Bank. Somebody calls, krr, krr. hello, how are you? I'm fine. Is this Chris Luger? Yeah, he's a supervisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you be interested in a managerial position? Now that one is above this one. <laughs> oh! And you know what I did? I told her, can you give me at least two days to think about it? <laughs> but inside there, like, but you see, even when things come, don't act like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh my God, I can't believe it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah let me still think about it. Let's go. <laughs> Glory! Jesus can't fail. I don't know whether when you sing, he never fails. You just see him not fading. No, the water is in the bottle. When you say, he never fails, you're simply saying, I the water in the bottle can't fail. He never fails because I've sung I'm in him and he's in me, therefore I can't fail. You see, you can't say he never fails and then you say, now I'm believing you, you can't. No, he never fails. And where are you? He never fails. He never fails. Jesus. I never fail. Do you understand now? I never fail. I never. <laughs> oh, wait. Diamond Trust Bank hired me as branch manager. Did it for one year. Wrote them a resignation. Told them, thanks, guys. I'm out. Peace. I'm going to preach the gospel. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I walked out like a boss. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, salvation is fun. It is so good to trust in Jesus. Somebody shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. That's who we are. That's how we roll. That's our story. I want you to speak in other tongues. Proclaim your consciousness in him and his word in you. Come on, open your mouth. Come on, speak. He never fails. You make my life so beautiful. For as you are, you have met me here on earth. 
you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Make Manifest.